Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Part 2 Chapter 35 The Ballad of Audrey Wilkinson and the Song of Ian Gale Audrey Wilkinson had two drugs of choice, absinthe and heroin. Fuck that pussy marijuana shit or piss water people call beer. If you're gonna play, then fucking play hard, she always thought. And that is just what she did. Played fucking hard. She never considered addiction to be a disease. In her mind, it had always been a choice. A fact she had proven to be true to herself. By quitting cold turkey and remaining sober for extended periods of time. An addict wouldn't be able to do that, was what she always told herself on the matter. Never mind the fact that when she drank, she would lose days on end due to being blackout drunk. She could quit, though, and that is what separated her from the animals. She sobered up the first time when she found out she was with child. It was not so much due to her undying love for her unborn son or daughter, but more because, well, that is just what a responsible human being does. Dorothy always believed the latter, however. Her mother loved her enough to kick the habit. She also always believed that addiction was a disease. This thought was sometimes the only comfort she had when it came to her mother. She was not a bad mother by choice. Instead, she was just genetically predisposed to be that way. Ian Gale proposed to Audrey Wilkinson the second she told him he was going to be a father. He did not even give it a second thought. To him, not only was it the right thing to do, but it was what he always wanted to do. And now, he had a reason. He was always fond of Audrey, even if he did not approve of her lifestyle or the choices she made. He cared for her deeply and unconditionally, and always had her best interests at heart. He never turned her down when she needed a designated driver, and he was always willing to nurse the hangover away when the binge had gone on just a little too long. So when Audrey Wilkinson told him that she had been sober for two months, and that he was the father of the life growing inside of her, it took all his restraint to keep from jumping for joy. Audrey accepted his proposal with very little thought or hesitation, and the two of them were married within the week. 
Dorothy Gale was born seven months later, right on time. Ian Gale was not a rich man, but being the head of the IT department for a well-to-do insurance agency afforded him a rather comfortable lifestyle, with an incredible insurance policy as well. He made enough to support Audrey and Dorothy, enough that they had a nice house in a small suburb of a small Florida town, enough that Audrey did not need to work. Ian Gale was old-fashioned, not so much sexist old-fashioned, but old-fashioned nonetheless. He would have supported Audrey getting a job if she really wanted one, but he was happy to work and let her stay home with Dorothy. The house was paid for before he met Audrey. His car was paid for as well, and his student loans were paid off shortly after Dorothy was born. He was fiscally responsible almost to a fault. Together, the Gale family lived in blissful happiness for two years. This was the happiest time of Audrey Gale's life. In fact, it was the happiest time of all of their lives. A thought that would forever haunt Dorothy. The happiest she ever was and it was before she had a chance to hit the record button in her memory. She only had a vague recollection of her father, but her mother always told her how much fun they had together, and how he always said he would not trade her for the world. A kind sentiment, but in reality, if given a choice, would he really not trade her for the world? It was the world. If he had it, he would by default have her as well. Dorothy imagined that conversation with her father on occasion. Dorothy, I wouldn't trade you for the world, he would say. But if you had the world, you would have me. I'm part of the world, aren't I? Dorothy would remark with a giggle. Oh, you got me. Her father would reply in an over-the-top cartoon voice with a big, silly, clenched fist waving in the air. They would laugh, and the world would be right for that one small moment. Ian Gale was not one to believe in fate or destiny per se, but he was well aware that life was a fragile thing. He was a smart man, there was no doubt about it but that was a fact that did not dismiss him from being, on occasion, very stupid. Ian Gale met his untimely demise a couple months after Dorothy's second birthday. It was an accident involving an aluminum ladder, a rain-slicked roof, and some clogged gutters in the midst of an electrical storm that did him in. I will not go into detail, Suffice it to say, I am sure you can figure out a way, or two, or three, that this situation could have gone that would have resulted in the death of Dorothy's father. Even the IT guy at the insurance agency knew better than most that someday he would not be around, and so he was well prepared. 
He had a large insurance policy on his life in the event of his untimely death. He had calculated and recalculated and made sure Audrey and Dorothy would be taken care of, even when he was no longer around. His last will and testament stated that he was to be cremated and sent off with a small, inexpensive service. By doing things this way, Audrey and Dorothy could live as they were in their house for fifteen years. If Audrey got a job, even a decent paying one, they could stretch his insurance policy even longer without any problems. Of course, this plan did not take into account unexpected bills like plumbing or car and home repairs, but that was all out of his control anyway. Audrey sold the house almost immediately after the death of her husband and bought a smaller one, a much smaller one. She got a pretty penny out of it and kept the money set aside for emergencies. They could now live for about twenty years, as they currently were, if nothing major came up. Audrey Gale backslid into alcoholism exactly six months after the death of her husband. It was not because she was sad or lonely, which she was, so much as it was she just thought a drink sounded good at the time. She had been unpacking in the new house when she came across a bottle of absinthe and thought, It's been a while. Why not? While Dorothy was taking a nap one day, Audrey gathered her supplies from a beautiful, ornate wooden box she kept on the nightstand beside her bed. Over the years, it had become more of a decoration than anything. It was oak with a dark finish, and the lid had an elegant design of winding, intersecting loops and lines etched into the top of it. On the front was a small hook that fits snugly into a small loop, keeping it closed. The hook and loop were clearly more for ornamental purposes, but still it was the small latch that Audrey found to be the most intriguing piece. The sides came together with beautiful dovetail joints, forming four small squares at each corner. She admired the box every time she used it, she loved the way the silver hinges shimmered in the light, the smooth edges. She loved the feel of the etched top as her fingertips lightly traced over the lines. She unhooked the latch and opened it. The inside of the box was satin-lined, with grooves specifically designed for each piece of the set. On the right side was a small crystal carafe. Beside it, a seven-ounce pantarlier glass, and on the left-hand side, a silver spoon. Along the top edge was a rectangular flap held down with a simple magnet. Beneath the cover were five sugar cubes resting in a metal chamber waiting to be used. Each part of the set was a work of art. The carafe was simple but elegant. It would hold five ounces of purified water and a small amount of ice with no problem. The Pontarlier glass was short and stocky. It had a thick stem on the bottom 
that held up the bulbous lower chamber that would hold the alcohol. It then flared outward slightly like a flower, not quite in full bloom, with a fine etching stopping just short of the glass's rim. The spoon was ornate with a small, intricately slotted circle in the center of the otherwise long, slender handle. Audrey took the carafe to the refrigerator and filled it with the ice-cold purified water. She placed it on the table and meticulously began the ritual. She placed the glass beside the carafe and proceeded to fill the small round chamber with the green alcohol, taking in the light licorice aroma of anise and fennel. She placed the spoon perfectly over the glass with a small tink and made sure the slotted circle in the handle was dead center over the glass's opening. Carefully and ever so lovingly, she placed the sugar cube on the spoon and began to loosh the absinthe by slowly pouring the cold water over it until the glass was filled to the edge of the etching, leaving the carafe empty. Audrey took the spoon and stirred the drink gently as she admired the emerald green haze that now filled the pontarlier as the sunlight hit it from the kitchen's window. This particular binge left Dorothy in the hands of a drunken, yet somewhat functional mother for six months. Audrey knew her limitations. She somehow managed to control herself well enough to feed her daughter and fulfill her most basic of motherly duties, albeit sometimes just barely. The binge ended abruptly with a well-intentioned surprise visit from Audrey's sister, M, and her husband, Henry. Upon arrival, M and Henry found the house in complete disarray. They found their niece alone and playing in the kitchen as her mother slept face down with an arm and a leg dangling over the side of the living room couch. They promptly took legal action and as Audrey Gale's history came back to haunt her throughout the legal proceedings that ensued, she gave Dorothy up for adoption to them without a fight. Dorothy was taken from her mother and relocated to Sterling, Kansas, at the age of three years old.